0: Welcome everybody to another episode of our labs open office hour. This week we're joined by Kelly Shipman. He is our, as you see there, our three D lab guy. As we were, we were just joking, uh, as opposed to our two dimensional labs people. Kelly actually exists in this three dimensional space. <laughs> uh, man, so uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of excited for this because I've been seeing uh, quite a bit uh from unreal in so you focus a lot more well actually go ahead and explain a little bit what you do about for for your space of things in labs sure so
1: i'm in charge of 3d content creation and um game dev real-time 3d stuff um so i don't do like the rendering packages although um I'll probably be taking that over, um, next year sometime.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so that, uh, William can focus on some other stuff and it kind of fits more together. Just all 3d stuff will be one person. That makes sense. Um, so that's why I kind of, I'm generally the 3d guy. Um, lately it's pretty much a hundred percent focused on unreal. Um, Unreal Engine because that is such a a growing uh, program, such a, like, so many industries are um, jumping into it, trying to customize it for their workflows. So, um, yeah, most of my time is Unreal right now. I'm looking at expand uh, Unity in the future and some other stuff.
0: Right on. Yeah, and so that's actually kind of what we're going to be talking about today um, with the recent hardware launches that have been happening, how that Mm -hmm. affects Unreal. And also, I know earlier you had mentioned um, there's been a big update to Unreal. Mm -hmm. Uh, So where would you like to start? We'll start with
1: um, Radeon. Um, unfortunately, all I can talk about right now is the 6,800 and 6,800 XT. Right. Even though the 6,900 has launched, we have not yet seen one at Puget. Right. Um,
0: that was a bit of a surprise, right? Like it was just kind of like, ta-da, right? No, we knew it was coming out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It, it we, struck me as had a surprise then.
1: Yeah. We knew the date. Um, they had announced the date publicly when it was going to be coming out. Um, they just didn't want to send us samples for whatever reason. Um, I won't get into that. Um, <laughs> I'll leave that for for John, to he can rant about that if he wants. Um, but yeah, so I have the 600 and 600 XT. Um, so yeah, before we get too into this, um, I ran. I did benchmarks on those cards on um, Unreal Engine. 4.26 beta. So it was before the release of Unreal 4.26. Okay. So um, you can go ahead and put up my, my shared screen. Um, so the reason I did the beta was because i um plugging the cards in and using it on um, 4.25, the cards worked. Mm-hmm. um everything ran okay you can enable ray tracing um and then i got the results that you see here um rasterized score was pretty equivalent to the 3080 or 3070 um mm-hmm. which means non ray tracing is basically what rasterized is right. for people that don't know um so they were pretty equivalent um in those situations
0: that's pretty good um
1: yeah And which is good because they're roughly the same price. There are some differences, but um, going off of MSRP, which is all that we can base it off of because who knows what the actually selling for out there. Um, So that's good that they're roughly equivalent. So, yeah. But then we move over to ray tracing. Uh, They took a really big hit. So they dropped all the way down to behind the RTX 3070. Oof. um so that was very disappointing um and as i'm like looking into what's going on trying to see what maybe i need to change need to do anything um i oops i gotta click on there um, i noticed something so this is one of the scenes that i did on the 3080 on Unreal Mm 4.25.4. This was the 6800 on 4.25 on the same build, same system. All I switched was the card. Both have ray tracing enabled. But you can see the ray tracing effects. Weird. Reflections were not working, even though ray tracing is enabled. Yeah. And we saw that performance drop that I showed here. So, um, I dug around and found out that, um, I need to use the beta version of 4.26 in order to get ray tracing to work, um, with the new card, with the Radeon cards. Oh, okay. So I was like, well, will try it out on 4.26. See mm-hmm. what, um, what that does. Um, that introduced some other problems. So go back oh, to my slides. Exactly. Whoosh. So this was for this this scene in four point two five, and then the same scene in four point two six. So uh, same card. Um, this, was, this was this is a screen that? capture from the sixty eight hundred, but mm-hmm. I saw the exact same thing on the thirty eighty as well. So just upgrading to the beta version broke a lot of things. Oh, so it shouldn't be that dark. It should. This is what it should look like. And then and this is what it went to. A bunch of the materials oh. disappeared. Some of the lights stopped working. Um, so, this is the reason I didn't do a full on benchmarking with these cards on 4.26 because it was a beta and it just wasn't working.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, when I did 4.26, um, well, I put the wrong version on this chart. That's funny. Not 4.6, 4.26. Um, sure. The ray tracing score dropped from 91 all the way down to 72. So now the 6800 XT is performing worse than an RTX 2080. Whoa. So there's definitely something going on in this beta, um, enough that like, it does not give me confidence that these are final numbers. Sure. So, um, it, yeah. it, This
0: is a software issue then. Like this, it's, it's, it's Epic isn't taking advantage of the hardware. That's my guess. At least it doesn't
1: give me confidence to be able to say for sure that these cards do not perform well
0: hmm, okay. in
1: ray tracing scenarios. I don't know what's going on. I feel like there's some software optimization that's still need to happen. Maybe the hardware is not up to the task. I don't know yet, okay. um, but because it was a beta build, I couldn't say for certain. I just said, if you're using Unreal and you do ray tracing, you might want to hold off on these cards for the time being.
0: Okay.
1: Um, the fun part was that I published that result saying, I'm gonna wait for the final release build of 4.26. We had borrowed these cards from someone. Right. Um, Thanks, Brian, we, from BPS Customs. That's who it was, I couldn't remember. <laughs> we had to borrow the cards because we couldn't find any to buy, um, and then send them back. The next day after we shipped them back, Epic released 4.26. <laughs> so, oh no. Now I don't have the cards to test the final release. I was assuming it wasn't going to come out until January. Right. Um, but it's out now. Um, and we can go into that, but yeah, at the, the time it did not look good for, um, for AMD cards, which yeah. is disappointing because they have 16 gigs of VRAM. which is very appealing to virtual production, to um, architectural visualization, people that have massive, highly detailed scenes, lots of materials and textures and lighting and all that kind of stuff. It was, people were like, well, same price as the 3080, but I get more VRAM and VRAM is really important. Yeah, that's right. So it might be great as long as you don't want ray tracing. so we're gonna have to see. Four point two six is now publicly available. So whenever we can get some new Radeon cards, I'll revisit everything. Um, but yeah, I was a little
0: disappointed. Um, let's see. Has I can't recall. Has has your uh, benchmark tool been published? I know you've been working. Okay, I know. I was like, I knew you were working really hard on it. I hadn't recalled if it was out yet.
1: Yeah. No, trying to automate Unreal has been very difficult. Um, So our automation tool that we use in house, um, we use AutoIt, mainly because that's what um, Matt knows. (laughs) Right. uh, He's been doing this for a long time, so he knows how to make it work, and so that's what we use because. It's easier to get him to help than to try to find help online. Sure. Um, so that's what we use, and it has a a way that it can look at open windows in like open programs and windows and recognize what they are and stuff. Unfortunately, it does not recognize Unreal, and it does this with several other programs. It like it doesn't see the interface. It doesn't mm-hmm. normally. It could read buttons and be able to say click this button. Right. It, Unreal doesn't report those buttons oh. to auto it. So um, it's a lot more difficult to try to automate. So eventually sure. we'll have a public one. Um, there's a lot to go beyond just um, the programming because, like, my sample files, I think I am close to 40 gigs of stuff, and that's for four scenes like that's not a lot of stuff um wow so it's it's a big it's gonna be a big project yeah so i I don't know we might need to figure a way to simplify that to make it something that is reasonable to for someone to download and run on their own system but eventually we'll get there it's just i still have a long ways to go with getting the the full workflow squared away There's a bunch more new stuff in the 4.26 that I can talk about in a little bit um, that I'm going to look at adding. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So. And uh, Lea's tech has a good comment about 4.26 brings multi-GPU support. And we're going to talk about that. Because it kind of (laughs) doesn't. It
0: kind (laughs) of doesn't?
1: Okay. What do you mean? Uh, Well, let's just go through... Um oh most <laughs> of the new so stuff four point two six. So this adds a lot. It seems like a, a minor update because it's four point two five to four point two six, but it's mm-hmm. actually a major update for Unreal. Mm. Um uh, keep in mind four Unreal four came out six years ago now. Okay. So like a point to whatever is still a major update. Sure. Um so we're we'll going through a bunch of these real quick. Um, Sky, cloud, and environment lighting updates—just massive overhaul of how clouds work. Those are volumetric clouds, so they're like actually have volume to them. No, there's not just a painting. Wow! Um, and the controls for the new volume clouds are—it's unbelievable. It's it's so cool to watch, see it happening in action because you can actually like adjust curves and do all stuff to make the shape of your clouds. And then you can actually paint them onto the sky using the tools they have. They just like draw with your mouse on the sky and add clouds to certain areas. And uh, they'll have like lightning effects in real time as you're like painting them in. And it's it's, (laughs) it's really really cool cool system. (laughs) I'll be investigating how does that have an impact on TP performance? Is it something worth testing? Sure. Um, there's um new atmosphere um controls so like you have the color of your sun you can adjust how like what colors are being reflected or refracted through the atmosphere as it comes through wow um that works in a scene like this picture here Mm -hmm. and also on like if you're in outer space you can adjust how the atmosphere of a planet that you're looking at. So it like the colors adjust correctly on it. Wow. Um, Lots of really cool stuff with atmosphere. Um what else was in there for atmosphere? I'm trying to remember. Um oh actually I have the the notes here. Uh yeah like um uh volumetric uh shadows so like as light passes through like trees or whatever, and you have the little mm-hmm. sun rays, um, new ways of doing that. Um, and all these features, they added both controls for real-time playback and for cinematic rendering playback. So you can Ooh. get higher quality if you do a like a render, like a render at a movie as opposed to doing it real-time. Okay. Um, which is really nice because the, the cinematic version um, just looks unbelievable not quite a, i mean the real time is not quite as good but it's running real time right um so there's lots of
0: stuff added there um and no, you, what's that so between real time and cinematic that'd be kind of the difference between like playing a video game and then like the backgrounds of the mandalorian right okay
1: well sort, sort of? of backgrounds of mandalorian are still real time oh you could like render out a movie.
0: Oh, okay, okay, okay.
1: Play a play a movie, because um, a lot of people do that in Unreal. Um, new water yeah, effect. Wow. Um, this is new um, computation for the geometry of the water. New materials, new shaders, um, new uh, the new caustic tool. So caustics is the refraction of light through a uh, material, either glass. Okay. Uh, water so like the in the um the scene here you see the little like bright highlights of light under the surface that's caustics it's okay light refracting because of the different the shape of the the waves on the surface moving and so you see that light changing underneath because it's actually bending the light so it's a new tool to, to calculate all that kind of stuff um yeah, it's just dude, that's amazing. The water looks really good right now. So the, clouds, the environments are looking amazing. Um so yeah, a lot of a lot of changes to atmosphere, water. Um and so I gotta test to see if that's having performance impact on stuff. Sure. Um because I mean this stuff's so cool. I, I yeah. can't get over this. So like
0: <laughs> it is cool. You can,
1: um you have your in three of you have your landmass like all mm-hmm. sculpted out right and then as a a spline tool you just draw a little spline on the surface of where you want um like a river to be mm-hmm. and it'll then carve that river through your landmass and then have flowing water like it will show it flowing um, it just all updates pretty quickly um so much fun to play with um <laughs> So I'll be investigating if if that's something that needs to be added to um, to a benchmark or not. Yeah. Um, so from there, now we get into some more um, the virtual production stuff. Virtual production stuff. So, end display improvements. This is where they're adding um, multi GPU support. Uh huh. So N-Display is um, Unreal and NVIDIA's uh, tool to to render to multiple monitors, okay? multiple screens or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, yeah, Tulius is saying Matt's legend. This uh, The person behind the camera is Matt Workman.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I follow him on Twitter.
1: Yeah, he's a legend. Um, <laughs> so... What they are doing with N display and multi GPU is you can run two GPUs in with an NVLink connection now,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, specifically for large LED walls like this, um, and it's not splitting up the rendering of the scene. Between the two, like it would do a traditional, like a video game, where they're like sh- doing alternate frame rendering, or rendering over the line, or contributing to the same um, frame. Um, it's not doing that. Okay. What they are doing is, you can set one GPU, your main GPU, to the inner camera frustum, what or frustum which is where the arrows are pointing. Okay. And then the second GPU would then render everything else. So the uh, outside of that little box, you can kind of see a box there where it's a little different than everything else. So what happens in Unreal is the camera's motion tracked, um, and it is changing what is seen in that um, frustum based on the position and angle of the camera. So, oh. that'll, so from the camera's point of view, the perspective changes. Mm-hmm. Now, everything else outside of that is static. It's not moving around. That's all being rendered for reflections on the actor or anything else that's in front of the camera. Okay. So that way, if the camera moves, that stuff's not moving in the reflection, it looks correct. Right. Um, so you can separate, you can have one GPU rendering that and one GPU rendering everything else. So it'll help in virtual production scenarios um, where you just have one system. Yeah. So that way you can do more with the one. So that way, if you think about it in our current system, if one GPU is rendering everything in there, mm-hmm. it still has to render everything. But then you're only capturing on camera that little inner window. Just a little, yeah. So yeah, you can... Theoretically, do more, um, which is still it's still good, it's still a benefit. But yeah, I, d- I just don't want people outside of virtual production to be like, "Oh yeah, multi GPU, I can finally do SLI and uh-huh. all this stuff." And it's not going to help you in your um, developing a game or your VR project or whatever. You're not going to get more FPS because okay. of it. <laughs> um, but it'll be good for for virtual production.
0: Okay. So, and this is specifically targeted. F- at virtual production, they did this for that yep. market.
1: Okay. It specifically said for large volume LED walls. And that's why it's, it, you know, you have one for the frustum, frustum one for everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, cool, that's pretty so, cool. Yeah, but then a virtual production person is gonna have to have some other considerations because not only do you have the two video cards in your system, you're also going to have a um, sync card because you need a sync to then sync the frame rate with the camera and sync the... It also controls the... Um, uh, I should, lost my train of thought. It controls the... Um, I can't remember what it's called now. Basically, the the hardware that's um, helping move the, the key translate the real camera to the virtual camera. Oh, you know? Okay.
0: Okay.
1: So all that is being, yeah. genlock signal. They have a, an actual genlock signal processor that that will connect to that. That syncs everything together. Wow.
0: Um, it's a lot more complicated than I thought, uh, you know, uh, yeah. you think about it and you're like, Oh, it's just like a big monitor. No big deal. But it's, yeah, there's some, there's some serious stuff going on here. That's amazing. Yeah. So you'll have that and then
1: this particular scene that we were just looking at um was actually three computers rendering different sections of the walls Mm -hmm. um so then you'll need a um usually they'll have a network card in there as well a 10g network card because you have to push like you know a 30 gig scene you update it you have to then push it to all the computers for them to render it um so you have that card in there you might have you know a capture card like you have to balance do you have enough space to do two video cards or not right um i was just talking with our sales consultant with the um um customer he's working with that they're doing that they have eight computers i think they said that are running different sections and then one's like a master computer that is for the editor that can then send things out to everyone else and um they're just gonna have too many adding cards to try to do this not to mention so they're doing quadro rtx 6000 or eight thousands okay so if they wanted to do this multi GPU support, that means every single computer that is rendering part of the wall needs to have the two GPUs. Right. So if you have, that means if you have a a computer that's rendering this wall over here on the side that the camera's not pointing at, it still has $16,000 worth of GPUs in it. Jeez. And so, like, uh, is this.
0: And it's basically just for lighting.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so it's. It, it's going to help some people. It's really going to be nice. Um, this not you're not going to see someone doing that love love stuff probably on thirty nineties because you can't do the quadro sync cards. Right? You can't gen lock everything down. Um, I suppose if they're doing a big wall, like it's just a flat wall, and it's um, hmm. they just want one system, it could work. Okay. You have to figure out how to gen lock the camera to the wall so you don't get like screen tearing and stuff yeah um but i mean it's it's an option huh um so yeah it's gonna be cool um i probably won't even end up benchmarking that oh um right because it's it's kind of niche and like you already know what the performance is going to be for one card and if you're in the market for two to do this kind of stuff you're just going to buy it like you know yeah um not to mention I don't even know how I would begin to benchmark dual oh. GPUs in this scenario I, I don't would, even know
0: we would need to build a giant volume yeah, because really I think that'd be the only way to, to actually do it would be to have to do it right yeah. like you couldn't you couldn't fake it not very easily yeah and um, it'd be probably more expensive and just and tougher to to fake it than to just throw up a you know, we make our own production company.
1: Right. And not only that, like <laughs> if we do that and then you'd have to have the sync card, which mm-hmm. it's going to limit your FPS of the rendering to the FPS of your camera. Right. So if you're shooting in 30 FPS, that's all you're going to get. Um It's just going to allow people to do more. Sure. So is basically the better way to look at it. Not are you going to get better for FPS? It's like, can you? have more effects on screen. Right. Because either way, you're getting 30 FPS. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be cool. It's not the multi-GPU that um, most people are hoping for, but yeah. it'll help.
0: So Tulius I- did ask. He was wondering if, we, if we're if we going to be, um, he says, have you thought of a lineup of machines dedicated to virtual production in Unreal, uh, artist machines, motion capture data system, and render nodes? um so what i'm
1: looking at right now is basically we have an unreal engine platform Mm -hmm. right um it's getting difficult with the the people that are using unreal engine for things outside of game design like how vastly different they're using hardware so i am looking at breaking that up into workflows instead of um just the software sure. so like maybe art like you're saying artist or render node or whatever mm-hmm. uh, cuz like uh i don't think anyone's familiar with um some of our articles on on our website but we have we right now everyone's working on these best pc 4 articles which like the here's the good better best pc for Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, that works for a lot of programs. As I'm trying to tackle Unreal, it just that's not the way to do it because I can't say the best is to use a Quadro 8000 if you're developing games. Okay, but the in that case, the best would be the 3090 or the 3080. Yeah. But that's not the best for a virtual production, and so like, oh, how do man. I distinguish this stuff? And okay, So yeah, I'm looking at making it more like use like, case. Like, yeah, because than... even even on the um, actually, let me see if I can. Um, no, nah, I don't want to find it. If uh, on Unreal's uh, website, they have a like a diagram of a virtual production setup. Mm -hmm. like this pc does this this pc does this they have like three systems rendering the wall you have the editor's system you have the capture system you have like there's like eight different computers that three of them are rendering the walls and the other ones are doing other things and um they're all different hardware right so yeah it's i'm looking at how to best break that up
0: and and i suppose then that that would be kind of where you're starting from that'd be your inspiration like okay this is this is going to be the best configuration for those three the three that are rendering the wall this will be the best configuration for the editor this and so on
1: yeah okay yeah so like that's what um i was talking with our salesperson about uh for their customer that is doing a a big led volume is like okay the led volumes are getting um they're getting Quadro 8,000s, RTX 8,000s, because they needed the the VRAM. Mm-hmm. Um, and they need the GenLock and the Quadro Sync and all that kind of stuff. But then they have an editor station who would then make any changes and then push that to all those systems. So that system's getting a 3090 um, because he doesn't need the GenLock. Um, so yeah, it's, I'm going to have to break it up somehow, but I'm figuring out how to you know, not have twenty-five different Unreal systems um, <laughs> is a challenge. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm. We're looking at that. I'm just trying to find the best way to do that.
0: Right. I do want to. I I do want to address a question that came up a little earlier from Jeremy Nelson. He says, "I'm considering my first PC build, but need to be confident in stability for work. Puget's quality is great, but pre-built doesn't allow as much change to learn how to build manage a rig. Any suggestions? And I I, I don't know if you have any input on that, but I, I have I have a yeah. Yeah, go for it. Um, I would say that it's more important to focus on whatever your job is. um, And learning to build, if, if that isn't your thing, if it's a hobby then build your own, buy the parts, build it, fine. But if, if you have work to do, leave that to a company like us. Um, you could upgrade it on your own later down the line. I don't know how that might fit in with like our particular warranty structure and things. But um, the the actual like physical building of it, I feel like, is less important than the stability and getting your work done. Yeah,
1: I would agree. And it, you just have to think about your time and what's valuable to you and what's that kind of stuff. Um, I think learning to build a computer is and how to work in computers is a very valuable um, skill. Sure. It's actually not that hard to pick up. It's really not. Um, but if you don't want to be spending your time messing with the computer, then don't yeah. like it's that simple. Um, yeah. What's your time worth? What do you want to do? Yeah. Um, so some other stuff with uh, 4.26, that's really exciting.
0: Um,
1: don't have a slide for this next topic, but uh, Movie Render Queue got a huge update. And so Ooh, far, it's looking okay. really good from my initial testing. Um, it's works a lot better. Um, they're added the ability to do different render passes. So instead of just rendering the image, mm. um, it's added a lot of rendering features for... Um, they're gonna be great for people like making a, a CG movie type thing. Ooh, okay. Um, so you can export a depth pass that you can then import that into like an after effects or something and have, be able to use that information to enhance your effects. Um, you can render out before you could only render into an AVI or to, um, A series of images. Okay. Um, Now you can render directly into Apple ProRes, Mm -hmm. to Avid DX DNX HR, or multi-channel EXR. Wow. so that's gonna be very helpful for a lot of those people. That now you can export it and just import directly into whatever you're editing. Um, nice. Thing is of choice, you can render out um, just camera movement information, um, which is awesome for like After Effects. So like, yeah. I render something with my, you know, camera moving through the scene or whatever. I can then. Import that into After Effects with the camera data, like camera mm-hmm. movement data, and then that all tracks just fine because you don't have to set tracking or whatever. You have the camera movement. Um, yeah, so being able to um, use Unreal for movies, for like animated TV shows or whatever, just got a lot easier. That's so cool. Um, yeah, and. Um, I've been looking at adding um, rendering videos back into the benchmark. I did it the very first time, Mm -hmm. had some bugs with it, um, and then didn't run it on the 4.26 beta um, when I was messing with the 6800s because it already wasn't working great, and then um, didn't want to spend too much time on it. Sure. But with the final release of 4.26, it's looking a lot better. Nice. And Tullius is mentioning uh, USD, uh, Universal Scene Descriptor, I can't remember. Uh, basically, it's a universal file format for a 3D scene, so I can import oh. that 3D scene as something else um, nice. or take a uh, 3D scene from a different program, import it in Unreal. Um, a lot easier. Um, that's very nice. Yeah, there a lot of enhancements to for people that do post-production as opposed to virtual um really cool stuff
0: i I just love how a technology that that was essentially built for video games has Mm -hmm. reached a, a such a level like we're able to do this because really because video games have gotten to a point where they're practically photorealistic and, mm-hmm. and like the engines have become so powerful enough that like you don't need a separate 3d rend- rendering program it's all done and and it's it's almost to a point where it's photorealistic in real time, and hmm. I'm, I'm loving the fact that that their Epic, in particular, is is seeing like the writing on the wall, the future of this technology, and they are really, really dumping a lot of time and effort and support to to go in this direction. And yeah. uh, it's so cool. I'm I'm so stoked to see more. Just like you were saying, like the animation. Um, like I remember back when Machinima was like a thing where you take like your halo people and like Mm -hmm. make cartoons or whatever it's it's going to be get to a point where you won't be able to tell the difference Mm -hmm. you virtual actors you're going to have scenes that don't exist you can have just a warehouse with a with a bunch of green curtains or whatever and it's going to be triple a quality for like top yeah. I'm, I'm just mind-blowing every step of the way it's so yeah
1: cool. well and in, in the virtual production world um i mean these guys are just going nuts with stuff so they have um uh motion capture body suits yeah, that not like recording it like it has sensors built into the suit so they can act out the scene and it's being translated real time into unreal engine into what character they have there so like sitting at home you can just like act out your scene and boom it's on your screen and then you can render it out and um they have that uh, unreal has um a real-time face recording software that is on the, um, right now, they only support iOS for some reason, um, which is ironic.
0: Well, and Um, I think that's probably because um, the IR tracker mm -hmm. for the face ID thing is insanely, uh, it's very high fidelity. Yeah. If you you have an iPhone, you can download an app that will translate the face ID data into a like 3D map. It'll show you what your face ID is. Mm -hmm. It is spooky accurate. Yeah, they,
1: so they have that like built into the engine already, where like you can just record all that onto a character that's in your scene. Um, I saw one guy that um, this studio, uh, forgot the name of the studio, but they're working on a technology that they're incorporating into Unreal, like an external uh, plugin that will recognize expression. Mm-hmm. of like So if you're doing acting performance, and it'll add in like body movement just based on the expression so you can just sit there with your video camera and then as you're talking and as you get like more excited and you're like the character's arms start doing stuff and like it's it's crazy it's unbelievable what they do um yeah um and they're working right now with uh there was a, a live conference this morning that I didn't get a chance to watch, where there were Unreal. Epic is working with um, Cinema 4D to do um, a lot of the Cinema 4D effects directly in Unreal and be able to move them back and forth between the packages. And yeah, they just keep adding more and more stuff. Um,
0: oh yeah it's it's a bit intimidating to try to learn but it's it's really cool (laughs) yeah that's a lot and and there's and like you were saying there's so much to be that's being done like it's it's Mm -hmm. not just rendering scenes or light walls or whatever it's like every step of the way is kind of moving into this this program that's Mm -hmm. it's mind-blowing yeah
1: yeah even if it's not directly being happening in the program, we're mm-hmm. adding ways to make it so that you can interact with other programs. Wow. Um, and this, the, in uh, 4.26, they added a, it's an experimental beta feature where, um, what they call it, uh, texture share, I think is what they call it. But basically, um, so if you have this other program that you're using, um, they didn't name any programs that support it yet, but like say, um, you're using Substance Designer or Cinema 40 or whatever to adjust your your materials mm-hmm. um, for something that's going to be in Unreal. You can have both progr- programs up, and this plugin will allow them to share the material data. Um, between the two programs without going through the cpu it's just in the gpu so like it only has to load it once you're not having this huge performance impact of loading this stuff in both programs and it's just gonna seamlessly work between them just to make it that much easier for the artists and stuff to to do stuff just neat, really cool stuff um what else are we talking about okay the next one (laughs) This is the next um, oh, oh, yeah. yeah, This mm-hmm. is the next big one that will I know for sure get incorporated into a benchmark. Um, this is uh, GPU light mass.
0: Light mass? Light like, mass.
1: Mass, yes. okay. So this is not a real-time ray traced scene. Okay. This is a traditional rasterized um Like if you were playing a a game on an Xbox, this is what it would look like Mm -hmm. um, without ray tracing. So, what's happening is, um, traditionally they would set up your lights, set up your geometry and everything, and you would bake the lighting. Um, And it basically um, unwraps the geometry for everything and creates a new texture layer that's basically a think of it as like a multiply layer in Photoshop. Okay. Like create the, the appearance of shadows, even though there's no shadow being cast um, because there's not real time ray, ray tracing. Um, so in the past, that was all done on the CPU. Okay. They rewrote their um, the whole uh, light mass baking for GPU from the ground up. So now this uses um, RTX cores ray tracing cores if you're using um uh radeon cards but it'll be accelerated by those ray tracing cores so it gets done way faster um than it would ever do on a cpu yeah and it's much more um accurate now so whereas it would in the past on a very complex scene you would actually send that to multiple, like a render farm. Oh. Um, that's built into Unreal, that if you have multiple computers on your network, you can just make them into a, a render farm, um, nice. either for video or uh, baking light masks or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so now one computer can basically do what multiple were doing in the past, is what they're claiming. Okay. Um, because of the... How much faster GPU uh, computation is, plus the addition of ray tracing support on hardware level. Mm-hmm. So this will be really cool because, I mean, if you look at this image, this is really good.
0: I mean, it looks it, it looks real. Like you could you could yeah. easily mistake that for like an actual place.
1: Right. Um, so a lot of games still use this and will for a long time until um, real time ray tracing becomes real-time memory hardware becomes common enough that everybody has it. And that's just the default. Right. Um, but so they still have to do it. I mean, this could still be used for a video for, um, if this was like the background on an led wall mm-hmm. that you're filming on, like as long as the light isn't moving in the scene, you would never know. That's where all this stuff falls apart as if you need like dynamic day, night lighting or, uh, you know, something in the background has a flashlight moving around that's gonna mm-hmm. not look great um but if it's just a static image um or something with the lighting isn't changing yeah it looks good enough and you can just still render that a lot faster now than trying to do it on your cpu um
0: now what if what if the so like we have a scene like this that it's it's i, I suppose pre-rendered is that the right term with that render, like, yeah okay um what if the camera moves within that space does that still count i'll be fine that's okay because that doesn't count as the light because i imagine it's if if you wanted to have like a time lapse of of the day passing in Mm this scene that's not going to work right okay you would well you could angle the angle of the light the sun would be moving and stuff yeah
1: basically if you're doing that for like a movie or something
0: mm-hmm.
1: you would then have to rebake the lighting every few frames or something to get the shadows to be correct. I see. Um, which you could do, um, you
0: just add more time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, you it wouldn't would be it a better lot, better time. it'd be a lot faster now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Aha. Cool.
1: Neat. So yeah, this, this would be a really big deal for a lot of people. Um, and something I will definitely start benchmarking. This is still technically a beta, I believe. I need to double-check that. Like, it's a it's a plugin that is... Unreal's weird. They have plugins that are basically built in that you have to <laughs> then just enable. Um, but yeah, I'm going to definitely be looking at this because this will um, be used by a lot of people. Sure. It does require you... It's This is where the work, it's seems a little weird it requires you to have a ray tracing enabled video card sure to do something that would not be ray traced (laughs) so huh but this will then make more accurate for people like if this is for a game for say for example yeah I have the ray tracing hardware, so I use that to make a more accurate lighting scenario, so that way the packaged game looks better for someone that does not have ray tracing hardware.
0: Right. That's basically what's happening. That's kind of cool. It's like pre-calculating, so you Mm -hmm. don't have to do it real time.
1: Right. Which is why it was already being done on the CPU. It was just really slow. Sure. Um, Like in, uh, I did the light baking for the CPU testing, and I set it to medium. On the scene that I was working on, because there's preview, um, low, medium, and cinematic, or the like options you have for quality level. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like second from the bottom. And on the 10,700K, mm-hmm. the sample I was doing was over an hour long to render that light ba- light baking. Um, mm-hmm. So like, and that's oh. not a very complex that wasn't a very complex scene. Yeah. And it was still taking that long. If you're trying to, to do cinematic or whatever on by yourself, which one system, it would take forever. Yeah, you're gonna this go take that. Yeah, <laughs> this will be a <laughs> lot faster. Wow. That's cool. It'll be this'll be a big one that I will definitely add to to the benchmarks.
0: That leads me to the thought if if they have the ability to do like a render farm, which would be CPU based, right? Mm-hmm. I, I imagine then if it's not already a thing soon, you could do that to, and distribute out to a GPU mm-hmm. render farm. Like I got a, yep. a rack of, of two U servers with eight GPUs a piece. And now I can just yep. knock this stuff out. Yep. Oh. Yeah. Uh, well,
1: this, they've said that that's the plan. They just, for the time being, they don't have that um, integrated yet. Right. Um, but yeah, like in a in a game studio, you can technically set all this stuff up to like render on every artist machine that's there, like overnight or whatever. Yeah. Because they're not there. So just you send it to whoever. And it also um it monitors this uh, the computers to mm-hmm. see if it's being used or not. So you can set it up to if not being used, then queue up that system for this and oh, cool like that so yeah for the time being this gpu light mess specifically is not able to be shared okay. um but it will be eventually
0: well i mean and it's brand new right so like yeah, you don't expect all up. the cool yeah you don't expect all the cool bells and whistles right away mm-hmm. that's amazing
1: that's yeah cool. yeah so especially for you know that um very small team indie developer that's trying to make something that still looks really good like they're going to be all over this because um right now that's the big draw to real-time ray tracing is Mm -hmm. that it dramatically speeds up the development time like the amount of time an artist has to do to make the scene look good um goes down significantly when the lighting just works the way it's supposed to work yeah um don't have to do all these tricks to make the reflection look <laughs> right or whatever It just all works so being able to have this speed up that process yeah. will definitely help a lot of people
0: right well and i have found as technology improves and especially the things that end up uh going quicker mm-hmm. it seems it what seems to happen is that you find ways of making better things so that you're, you're still taking... Your scene is still going to take an hour to render, but it's going to be a much better scene. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, so <laughs> while they
1: spend less time worrying about the lighting and reflections and all that kind of stuff, they'll just do more things. So, right. yeah. Wow. Kind of... It's kind of a wash in a way.
0: That's so cool.
1: I remember when I was at a game studio, um, the tech artist um who's the one that's in charge of like programming shaders and stuff um when we're looking at the next generation of xboxes coming out he's like i don't know why you guys need x number of polygons you'll just use a normal map or whatever i was like no if you give me polygons i'm gonna use a polygon like i
0: we will find ways
1: to use them if you give us the ability to do it
0: right yeah, that's. And I, I love that. I love that kind of higher level idea is like it, nobody's going to use this and, and end up like, well, I suppose some people are going to use it for the efficiency, but it's really that you can now get so much a better, higher quality in the same amount of time. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, that's really cool because, man, it's, it's, I don't know, for, for somebody like me, I can't even picture how it could get better. It's, it's yeah. like <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's
1: I don't know where they're gonna do, but yeah, they're gonna find they will <laughs> always find some new way of making yeah. it look even better.
0: It's amazing.
1: Yeah, four point two six adds a lot of cool stuff. Do I have anything else? Oh, this one's kind of fun. one last slide. So this is their new um, remote control API. So what's happening here is. The screen on the left is a website um, okay. that's like running on the local network that um, what would happen is if you're on a virtual production set. Um, oh, someone could have a tablet with this UI up standing in the middle of the volume and you have these little sliders. You can rotate the sky and control the entire Unreal environment that's running on these Big computer somewhere else, but you just have this tablet with a web interface. And you can adjust lighting, you can adjust um, exposure, like a bunch of different features that you can adjust from a web app remotely while your system is still running these giant LED walls. Wow. Um, so they updated the API for that. Um, before it was kind of a like uh, kind of piece together thing, and now it's just much more official um this i won't be benchmarking but i just think it's so cool that you can just have there's a web app remotely controlling your your unreal scene um you can adjust lights you can adjust a bunch of other stuff nice i mean to say set it up to adjust whatever you want to but yeah yeah, so much fun that is really cool yeah Awesome! Awesome! That was the last slide I had. So yeah, oh, lots cool. of lots of really cool things coming with 4.26 that I need yeah. to investigate, see what needs to be <laughs> benchmarked or not. Um, hopefully, I'll we'll have a 6900
0: someday, and we'll benchmark that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So I'm curious myself, um, and 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 I suppose this kind of goes out to the audience too, because. Um, this is still fairly new stuff, like mm-hmm. virtual production as a, as a concept, as a thing. It's, it's only maybe a couple years old mm-hmm. at best. And so there's still a big question mark about what to test, what mm-hmm. is where the bottlenecks are, where are the pain points and stuff. And I know you're involved in a few of these communities, but like, like how do you decide? What what to, what to in, investigate? You can't you can't do everything. No. Um.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the big question of of labs is how to do, what to test. Um, especially the the things that irritate people the most in any workflow. Doesn't matter what the program is, is actually the littler things, the right. things that just make things sluggish. That just feels. Slow, unresponsive, and those are the hardest things to test. Like if it's just CPU rendering, like that's easy. Sure, Um, but yeah, trying to figure out. For me, it's a balance of okay, learning what the workflow is, seeing the steps that take, saying where, what's causing that issue. Is it because it's hitting a CPU limitation, or is it because a software inefficiency? Mm -hmm. And then might. If it's just bad software, then I might punt on that one and be like, well, that's why I was about to um, hold off on the uh, video rendering part of Unreal um, was to wait for it to the software to be better. So that way I could know for sure that it's the hardware that is speeding up or slowing down the process. I see. Um, So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. And so the part of that for the audience is if you guys are into this sort of thing, I'm sure Kelly would love to know more about what you struggle with. And so that we can, I, sure. kind of, I kind of put a question out there on on Twitter and stuff um, in a broader general sense. Um, but since we have a specific topic today, if you know, do reach out, um, Kelly's on Twitter, email, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Any of the articles that I've ever written, feel free to comment on those. Uh, I was having a discussion with someone last couple days about something he wants added to the Unreal testing that I'm going to look into. Mm -hmm. Um, There's something that was already kind of on my radar, but he kind of brought up some other other points um, and some side of things that I hadn't thought of um, that I'll be adding. So, yeah, definitely if you um, see me on Twitter or on one of my articles, feel free to make suggestions or requests or whatever, and I'll look into it because mm-hmm. the Unreal is used in so many different ways that trying to figure out who's using it how is very difficult. So, yeah, sure. let me know.
0: Yeah. What What do you – so you say you were talking with somebody. Um, can you talk specifics? I mean, was mm-hmm. it in comments and stuff? What, what in particular were they uh, looking for? So they're looking for
1: um, – Importing large models into Unreal. Um, Um, The import process um, can be kind of slow. Okay. But they're also looking at um, generating a collision mesh based on it or um, generating uh, LODs, um, which are both things. So LODs are level of details. Okay. So. Basically, and this is used for games specifically, um, it's an optimization thing. So, someone in film might not bother with it because it takes time. And um, what happens is there'll end up being a piece of geometry or something that's out in the distance. Mm -hmm. So, when it's out in the distance, you'll have a whole bunch of polygons that are like less than a, a pixel size or maybe just a couple pixels. So it's like, is that the best way to spend your, your geometry? Budget is something that you can't see very well. So you make a version of that model that's very low poly with some texture, like a new texture on it. OK. That looks good from a distance. And you make a different version from a little bit closer, then a different version a little bit closer, um, and then the final full version that looks good when it's right up on the screen. Um, back in my day, <laughs> when I was uh, in, the, uh, in the game industry, we had to manually make each of those levels Oh wow, um, by hand. Um, now, Unreal has a tool that will do it for you. Just Tell it how many levels you want, and it'll um, compute it all for you. Wow. So um, he wants to see. Um, you know, is that taking single threaded, multi threaded? Doesn't matter. Um, what was the other one I'm talking about? Oh, collision. Mm-hmm. Collision mesh was um, so when you put an object into Unreal, it nothing will collide with it. It just, you can walk right through it. You sure. can, it's, there's nothing there. So you put a different 3D model over the top of it that is lower polygon and you say this is the collision of oh that thing sure um and then it gets a separate material and then unreal knows that you don't visually render that but nothing can pass through that or if like a bullet hits it it sparks um again that used to be manually created um and there's a lot of like figuring out how many polygons, you know, because it's just more geometry that the GPU has to be holding in memory and oh. technically rendering, even though it's not visually on screen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so you don't normally just duplicate the mesh that you already have and call that geometry because it's too many polygons. Sure. Um, so, yeah, that will be something that like, how long does that take if you have some highly detailed, intricate model that's millions of polygons? It's um, like like hitboxes and things, yeah. right? Collision? Yeah, okay. It's all kind of same. It's all the same. A lot of times in games if you're playing a shooter or whatever and you shoot something and it sparks, but it's like sparking a little bit off. <laughs> so like There's like a, a floating spot that it's sparking off just because the geometry mesh was a little weird.
0: <laughs> uh that's fun that's been uh I don't know, this is cool uh, it's always cool to peek behind the curtain a little bit so. mm-hmm. right on uh, is there uh anything else you'd like to talk about we're right up about on our hour um that's like the main thing so i'll be
1: working on i'm gonna be trying my own at home virtual production setup that'll be fun i'll be uh probably maintaining a, a blog on that on our website uh my process of learning that it's going to be super low budget um cheap like i have a i have a 1080 and uh 8700 so it won't have any very fancy uh ray tracing effects or anything it's gonna be very basic um i'm also using htc5 for the tracking i don't have any of the dedicated trackers so i'm going to be using the controller um so that will be interesting Mm -hmm. and i don't have a really nice camera so i'll be using my logitech c920 as the camera i'll just be kind of piecing it together it's just it's more a proof of concept project than hey look i made a final project
0: i Um, i'm excited to see your your first animated video kelly yeah
1: and it will probably be more of a uh fancy zoom call than anything.
0: okay still <laughs> so that'll be fun too yeah
1: right like, and like maybe somebody i'll be able to like pick up my camera and like rotate around and you'll see like something behind you'll me be on
0: mars or something yeah hey yeah awesome well all right well thank you kelly for taking the time out of your day and joining us today i'm super excited for i know i know it's kind of a huge thing to be on your plate but i am really excited to see just the the progress that you make on this and the progress in the industry in general is infinitely it's exciting so and, fun to watch them do it thing. it's i just thinking just in with the little slice that i have seen like from from matt workman um Just the way he started out and to see where he's at now and the progress and and that it's being legitimate, like or like legitimized by like the big companies where it used to be. So just Mm -hmm. piecemeal and hacky and I'm just the future is bright. It's going to be so cool
1: every day. I see new studios being built up with these large LED volumes. There's one going up now that is just massive. It's like the size of a football field. There's all LG volumes. It's yeah. I mean, maybe not quite, maybe like half a football field, but still it's massive. That's still enormous. Like you have full size vehicles in them. They have, yeah. Wow. People are doing some crazy
0: things. Super, super cool. Thank you very yeah. much again. And and thank you to the audience as well for joining us again on our for today's Labs Open Office Hour. We do this every Wednesday and Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific. Wednesdays, we bring in outside industry experts to talk about their uh, workflow and process, give hints, tips, and tricks from that kind of a deal. And then on Fridays, we have our internal experts over there, over there, <laughs> <laughs> like Kelly, uh, to talk about um, kind of the internal thing, what we look at uh, and, and updates and things on our process process. process and to kind of give you guys a little bit an opportunity to ask questions about like the crossover there of hardware and software so uh, mark your calendars every wednesday friday 1 p.m pacific we'll see you next time